Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the second episode of There's More. For all of the people that contacted me about the first podcast, posted about it, tagged me in things, I'm so grateful for all of you. But really, I'm just so glad that so many of you are tuning in. This is something I'm placing a priority on this next year to kind of see how it goes, just something I've really wanted to explore. So to get so much of the positive feedback that I did from the first one really means so much to me. And before we get into the second episode, I do want to say, since the last time you heard from me on here on There's More, my wife and I had our second child. Uh, a little bit over a week ago on Sunday, November 18th at 4.15 a.m., we had our son, True Alakai Sweeney, and he's here, and we have a two-year-old, we have a one-week-old, and we just couldn't be more excited to have him with us. I don't know if we could be more tired than we are right now with all of these changes, but they're all good changes, and... For those of you who know us personally, Christine is healthy and she's doing well and she's doing an amazing job transitioning, being a mom to two, taking care of our new son, True, and caring for our daughter, Michaela. So we are so excited about that. And it's just such a such a fun time because it's Christmas season and Christine and I both love Christmas so much. So for all of you sending encouragement uh, for all of your prayers. We're so excited that True is healthy and he's here. So on to episode two of There's More. This episode is a lot about comparing and envy and jealousy and what it means to focus on quality, what it means to focus on what we're doing And some of the things that get in the way of us not only focusing on the quality of our work and our life, but actually enjoying focusing on the quality of our work and our life. So I'm going to begin with a proverb. It comes from Proverbs 24, 27. And really quickly, Proverbs are these ancient wisdom sayings that you find in the Old Testament. They're not universal principles that are etched into the atmosphere where if you do what this says, you are guaranteed this specific outcome. That is not how wisdom works. That is not how ancient proverbs work in any religious tradition. So when you see these proverbs, what they are is they are practical day-to-day rules of wisdom for people to follow, for people to be mindful of, to provide some kind of a guidance for your path towards the future, towards life, to move away from death and to move more and more into the fullness of life. So you'll see this first proverb we're going to read. It flows out of an agrarian culture, which is why so often in the proverbs and in the scriptures, they're talking about plants and fields and barns and sowing and reaping because that was the culture they lived in. So Proverbs 24, 27 says, first, plant your fields, then build your barn. It is that simple. It is that short. First, plant your fields, then build your barn. What I love about this, even though we cannot connect with the first part of concretely planting fields and tending to our barns, at least for most of us, 
What this is really about is priorities and order. It's about making sure the ground will sustain you before you build on the ground. It's about focusing on the foundation of your whole life before you build the house on top of it. So we could say this is about you choosing substance before hype. It's about choosing authenticity before attention. It's about choosing to be real before you're ever recognized. And it's about you developing character before you take the time to develop a career. And this journey is so difficult, I would argue, because we live in a culture where people want to put their work in public before they put the work in in private. I'm going to say that again. We live in a culture where people want to put their work in public before they've put their work in in private. I mean, think about how that works out in our culture today. We learn how to promote before we have anything worth promoting. We learn how to brand things before we actually have anything to brand. We learn how to get our voices heard by the masses before we have anything authentic to say. So it's almost like we reversed planting our fields and building our barn. It's almost like we're learning to build our barn before we've planted our fields and actually have anything to fill it with. It's almost like we've reversed that wisdom from the past and we've turned it upside down. Now, many of you know this theory that Malcolm Gladwell has about 10,000 hours, which he got from other people's research. And since Malcolm Gladwell came out with his book, Outliers, many people have disputed his reading of this theory saying, this is an oversimplification, this doesn't really work. And right now, for our purposes, I really don't care. You can go read all those arguments. You can see who's right, who's on point, who has the finer points. That's not really my concern. But the overall thrust of what Gladwell says when it comes to this 10,000 hours theory is somebody can spend 10,000 hours working on something. And that is the point when they are actually going to become an expert in that thing. Now, if you were to spend 10,000 hours working on something in order to become an expert, that would be 40 hours a week for five years. Or 10,000 hours would be 20 hours a week for 10 years. So when you think about somebody putting their time in in private, think about somebody like the wisdom says, caring for their fields. That would be you putting 20 hours a week in for 10 years on one thing. I mean, some people like who do crash diets are mad because they don't have a six pack after not drinking soda for like a month. And this guy is saying you have to put 10,000 hours in and then you have the possibility of becoming an expert. Now, I think what Gladwell shows us is this really simple idea. Quality takes time. Quality always takes time. In your creative life, quality takes time. In your relationships, quality takes time. 
Even developing a healthy spiritual practice and growth, it takes time. Everything we do that we want to actually be to be able to do with quality takes time. Remember another story about Jerry Seinfeld, when a young software developer named Brad Isaac, he was performing stand up at open mic nights while he was still working in software development. And he happened to have a conversation with this comedian, Jerry Seinfeld. And when he asked Seinfeld, you know, what wisdom he has, what principles he's lived by, you know, what advice he might give him for his future, Seinfeld began to explain his own method for success. And he said when he was younger, each January, he would hang a large calendar on his wall. It's like one of those large calendars you can put big uh, dates on, things on the calendar. And what Seinfeld did was he said, beginning in January, every day that he would write new material, he would put a big red X over that day. So every day he would actually take the time to work on his craft, take the time to work for the quality when nobody else was looking, take the time to develop something he had already been working on for so long. Every day he did that, he would put a large red X over that day. And he said eventually drawing those red X's got to be pretty fun and rewarding, so he kept doing it. And what he recognized when he kept doing it was that eventually he began to create this large chain of red X's. And after he tells that story, he goes to this young comedian, Brad Isaac, and he says, if you want success in the future, your job is to never break that chain. The main job you have if you want to work towards success is never breaking that chain. So essentially what he's saying is commit to quality and growth and depth and developing your craft, yourself, your relationships when nobody else is working because that is what is going to determine the success of your future. And I think what that wisdom shows us from the beginning and what Seinfeld shows us through that story is it's not just about completing a product. It's about fully committing during the process. It's not just about completing a product and having something to show other people to get some kind of gratification from being recognized, but it's about fully committing during the process to the quality of the work so you can make it more refined and so you can live with a more authentic voice and so you can allow more of your life and your craft to flow out of what you're doing. So we begin with that really simple idea. You first plant your fields, do all of that work when no one's looking, and then after that, you build your barn. Now there's another proverb I wanna look at. In Proverbs 27.4, it's, uh, it's very different, and at first it might seem like it's not connected, but if you stay with me, I think what you'll discover is that it's actually a lot more connected to the first proverb than you probably realize. So Proverbs 27.4 says, Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming. That's good stuff right there. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but... Who can stand before jealousy? I mean, think about how powerful 
that that sort of images anger is cruel and fury is overwhelming these things are cruel and overwhelming and they have the ability to have so much power over our lives but then the writer says but who can stand before jealousy it's like he's saying though anger is strong fury is strong even overwhelming but jealousy is actually something that is stronger and more powerful than both of these. So let's think about the reason why these two seemingly disconnected proverbs are actually a lot more connected than we realize. And I would argue these things are so connected because one of the main reasons it is so hard to be patient and to focus on the substance of who we are and the quality of our work is envy and jealousy it's so hard to focus on what i'm doing when i'm constantly comparing myself to what they're doing it's so hard to focus on what i'm doing when i'm constantly comparing myself to what they're doing it's hard for me to look at where i am and feel good when every time I try to do that, I see where they are and I feel bad. Or it's hard for me to keep experiencing joy with what I have when I constantly feel envy when I see what they have. So perhaps we could say it like this. It's hard to stay committed when we keep on comparing. It's hard to stay committed to what we're doing and what we're about when we keep on comparing ourselves to what they're doing and when we're constantly worried what they're about. Now, do you know why I know that this is such an important issue to talk about and it's such an important thing to think about? It's because of the reality that all of us nowadays are living with what I call invisible wars. Do you know what I'm talking about? We all have these weird invisible wars going on within us. Invisible wars are when we have this weird ongoing internal battle with another person or a group of people that they don't even know about. That's the hilarious and maddening part. Invisible wars are when we have this weird ongoing internal battle with other people and they aren't even aware. Some of you right now are like, oh my gosh, I have all kinds of invisible wars going on inside of me, of course. We see their Instagram, we see their Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, blogs, podcasts. We see them getting tagged in things. We see them getting added in things or whatever it is. We see their life unfolding through all of these platforms. And these people do not know it. But we're watching and we're commenting in our heads and we're arguing with them. And we're both like repulsed and somehow unable to pull ourselves away from this unfolding drama. It's almost like we could say it hurts so good to watch them. And to me, the funniest or perhaps even the saddest part is the other people don't even know they're in this invisible war with us. They have no idea 
how much space they occupy in our minds. They have no idea how much energy we spend thinking about them. It's seriously crazy that we all walk around with these invisible wars going on inside of us and no one even knows. I remember listening to a story of the, the comedian Bobby Lee. And he told this story about how this young comic moved to L.A. and how he sort of helped this young comic, you know, was getting him into clubs he couldn't get into, was bringing him around people he didn't have access to. And how after him helping this other comic out, eventually this comic got some kind of a spot on a TV show. And when this person got this spot on this TV show, they never thanked him, acknowledged him or whatever. And so Bobby Lee goes on and talks about how he has this sort of invisible war going on in his head with this young comic. How he keeps watching this comic's career unfold and how it keeps like piercing him deeper and deeper in ways nobody sees. I mean, he said this invisible war is so strong that it's to the point where when he sees an Instagram post that this person posts, it actually can send a chill through his spine, right? It sounds extreme, but we're all living with these weird, invisible wars with people who have no idea. But here's the thing about where we're going and about these invisible wars. We think it's about wanting what they have, but wisdom show, shows us it's really about knowing who we are. We think it's about wanting what they have, but it's really about knowing who we are. It's not about anybody else. This is about you trusting in who God says you are. This is about you owning your own journey. This is about you discovering your voice. This is about you recognizing the unique contribution that only you can make in this world. This is about you knowing who you are, focusing on what you are doing right now to grow, to change, to create, to live better, and experiencing what it means to be seen and to be known by God before anyone else. And this is ultimately about you completely throwing yourself into what you're doing and where you're going. It's not that you're supposed to win that invisible war. It's about waking up to the fact that it's not actually a war in the first place. Now for this last part, there's one more proverb I want to read. So we started with one about fields and barns. The second one was about sort of fury, overwhelming powers and jealousy. And now this one in Proverbs 18.10 says the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. Trying to keep up with others is not the key to your success. Secretly competing with other people is not what wisdom looks like. Comparison is never going to set you free. Trying to prove yourself is not going to help you enjoy the work that you're doing. 
turning to God as the only one who can save you, the only one who can validate you, the only one who can define you is actually the ultimate path of wisdom and the path towards growth. And here's how I would say this right here too, which is why all of those painful, annoying moments where we feel like we're getting pulled into those invisible wars, why those are actually all opportunities that we did not realize because of this right here. Every impulse to compare ourselves with others is actually an invitation to connect deeper with God and with ourselves. Every impulse for me to compare myself with them is an invitation for me to connect deeper with God and to go deeper into who I truly am. Every time I see something and it bothers me and I get pulled into that war, there's another thing in me that's like, wait, but do I trust and know who I am? Every time that post sends this weird warm energy into my chest or my face gets hot and I get bothered, and I want to just go on this weird little wormhole of comparing. I'm like, wait, do I trust and know who I am here? Do I know who I am with God? Do I know what I'm about, what I'm about creating, what I'm about doing, what I'm giving myself to here? Because it isn't actually about competing in that war. It's about waking up to the fact it isn't a war in the first place and returning to who I truly am and committing fully to that path. We're like, but those people are doing that thing. Right. But that doesn't change you. I know, but they always get what they want. Right. But what does them getting what they want have to do with you working hard to get what you want? I know, but they've always, I mean, it's like they have, they've had everything handed to them in ways I never did. Okay, and your struggle will build you in a unique way and your journey will create space for you to give what only you can give. So why does it matter if they've had everything handed to them? And of course, there's that big, well, their life looks so fun and perfect like all the time. What I would say to that is, first of all, it's not. Trust me, that life that you see that other people are living is not as perfect, carefree, and just as like ideal as you probably think it is. I, I mean, I know I've been in some of those moments with people who I know other people would look at that moment and be like, that's it, that's like perfect, and they, they get to do all those things. And I've been in those moments, and sometimes I'm like, the people here aren't even present to this moment. The people who are here sharing this moment, I don't think we're ever fully in this moment because while we were in this moment, they were actually on their phones concerning about how they're going to share this moment. So first of all, those lives that you see are never as perfect and carefree and ideal as you think. But second of all, even if they're having a good time, in their relationships. In what way does them enjoying their life and relationships have to become an obstacle to you enjoying your life and relationships? In what way does them producing quality work in whatever field they're in 
have to somehow become an obstacle to or a threat to you producing quality work in the field that you're working in. It's not about what those people are doing. It's about me knowing who I am and fully committing to what I'm doing. Every impulse to compare myself with them is an invitation from God to connect deeper with who I truly am. See, here's the thing. There is a path of constant comparison, crippling envy, and trying to compete with others for a sense of validation. That path is always here. And if we're honest, it's like we're constantly being invited into it at all times every day. But there is another path of wisdom for us. There is one where we can focus on the substance of who we are and the quality of the work that we do. There's a path where we are discovering our own voice, recognizing our own gifts, and we were, where we are waking up to the life-changing fact that nobody else can give the world what we can give, and that our only job is to do that. There is another path that is defined by us knowing the value we already have as children of God before we ever accomplish anything. And as a result of that, there is value and a contribution that only we can bring to this world out of the truth of who we are. So I just want to end with this one phrase that you can hold on to, this one phrase that you can remember, this phrase that you can write down, this phrase that you can sort of etch into your social your creative and your relational imagination so it stays with you wherever you go. This is about who you are becoming and what you're doing. This is about who you are becoming and what you're doing. It is not about what they're doing. It's not about their success. It's not about the trips they're going on. It's not about all the friends they have. It's not about how far they're getting ahead in life. I want to end with this one phrase. This is about remembering that this is about who you are becoming and what you're doing.